welcome to the Landed Ladies official podcast, the Enrooted podcast. I am so excited to start out on this journey and talk all things women empowerment, land management, forest management, just everything under the sun that's related to forestry and land ownership in the Southeast. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And we're going to focus today on one of my favorite topics. The topic is going to be on the importance of having a why. Why you need to have a solid foundation, a solid why factor when you own land. Now, this can be when you're looking to buy land. This can be when you just have the family land in your you know, family history, or perhaps this is you're probably going to inherit the property and maybe your goals and your purpose of that land ownership is different than those before you, are different than your parents, are different than your grandparents, and that's perfectly okay. But nevertheless, you have to figure out what your why factor is. If you don't have this foundational moment, this foundational statement, look at it as a land ownership mission statement almost. If you don't have this, all of the decisions that you make after, you're going to feel uncertain on. You're not going to feel confident that you are making the right choices if you are moving in the right direction and you're never really going to know if you are actually reaching your goals if you do not have your solid why. How do you know when you've reached the point of success? I would still encourage you to manage it, of course. Active management is better than no management. But I want you to feel confident in those decisions, in those recommendations that you are receiving to, to actually help you create that family legacy. And so in one of my blog posts, it was one of the first ideas that kind of came to me when I was looking to start Landed Ladies. And this was actually before I even considered it Landed Ladies. I always related that figuring out your land objectives is really similar to picking out the family pet. And you're like, okay, Danielle, you're a little crazy. This is not the same thing at all. But it is. We sometimes take so much care into figuring out what type of family pet we want to get. Now, you may be like, well, this is easy. I'm a dog person. I'm a cat person. I'm a no pet household. This is an easy decision. But I would challenge you that it may seem like it was easy for you to make that decision because you had some underlining values already ingrained, um, underlining purpose of why you came to that decision, whether it is through experience of the past or things that you're looking at right now, your season of life, your stage of life, uh, or where your plans are for the future. And your whys and your objectives for your land are the exact same way. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few minutes to try to explain this to you a little bit better. And I do encourage you that to read that blog article. I got some cute little photos that go with it to just complement everything I'm talking about. Um, but if you're not much of a go-to-the-website reader, I'm going to explain it here in the podcast. So here we go. When you're deciding the family pet, we're going to talk about some of the most popular things that families will consider and look at. We're not going to go into the weird, uh, estranged type of options. We're going to be looking at dogs and cats 
and fish, parrot, and even the unconventional pet rock. So I guess we are going into a little bit of the atypical. But first things first, when a household, when a family decides to get a dog, you're not just looking at getting a dog because you're like, I love dogs, I love how they bark. You are considering all the responsibilities that come with being a dog owner. Um, you're looking at, when you look at getting a dog for the family, you're looking at the responsibilities that come with a dog. And you're looking at the responsibilities that come with all of these pets, actually, if I am to say that, I guess a little bit more accurately. But when it comes to a dog, you're looking at the life stage. When you get a dog, you're looking at ownership for at least seven to 15 years, depending on the size, the breed, you know, mixed breed, um, pure breed, whatever all of those entail, there are different life stages that come with it. So you were looking at at least, we'll just round out saying a 10 year commitment to maintain and grow and care for this animal. So not only are you looking at a 10 year commitment, and like I said, depending on the size of the breed, it could be seven, it could be 15, it could be a little longer, but we're gonna say 10, 10 years. You are also looking at the daily maintenance. A dog is a lot of work. You have to walk it, you have to give it that exercise, you have to feed it daily, and you have to give it water daily. Without all three of those components, you are not really providing that dog, you know, an appropriate type of life um, for, their, for your family. You're not giving it the appropriate needs that it needs to thrive. So not only do you have at least a 10-year commitment, you now also have a daily commitment to provide for this animal. That is a lot of work, and that is a decision that you make of, I'm going to get a dog and I am accepting this daily responsibility. Now that's really similar to if your objective was a very intense timber rotation, all right? You kind of have a, a medium life of commitment. If you're in the Southeast, your rotations may be looking at say 25 years for maximum intense civiculture plantation timber revenue. All right, about a 25 year type of clear cutting rotation time span. We'll call that a medium age. It's not so long as the long, long leaf mature forest, but it's not exactly a, a turnaround, you know, not gonna do much with it. You are actively choosing to provide management into it, to invest into these trees, this timber, to provide this maximum amount of income that you expect out of it. So you are having regular maintenance. You have a medium time commitment that you are expecting to um, have a turnaround time period. And so with like a dog, you might have say three dogs, four dogs even within your entire life if you get a dog pretty early on. With a plantation-minded timber income maximizing at rotation, you could have two rotations in your life. You could go through two of these. All the while you are still providing that regular active management to help those trees thrive to maximize the volume and the value return you want by that 25 years. Okay, so we are going to contrast that to cats. Uh, love them, hate them, they're there and they're probably the second most popular family pet out there. 
Um, and we're gonna be looking at it more of a, um, more like a barn cat, so an outside cat, not an inside cat type of commitment, not the crazy cat lady. We're going to say you have a outside cat that you care for. What is the responsibilities with that? You're still probably looking at about, say, 10, 15 years ballpark. Cats tend to live a little longer than dogs, uh, generally. They live a lot longer if they're inside, of course, but we're gonna say outside, so about the same time span. So you're looking at the, the same type of time commitment that you're gonna be caring for this animal. Now it's an outside cat, so you're not having to do quite the same type of needs. You don't have to go and exercise it and play with it daily. Um, honestly, the cat will be a lot happier if you just kind of minimally pay attention to it. Uh, give it its food. Maybe you provide a water dish, maybe you don't because you have a bird feeder and it just goes out and finds its own water. Um, but you're, you're providing a little bit of nutrition for it daily, weekly. And honestly, that cat is also providing a value to you, which is probably why you also agreed to have it because it is helping with the rodent control outside, maybe watching out for snakes. If you're an avid bird watcher, you probably do hate them. But nevertheless, it is providing a type of service of rodent control, we're going to say is the, the purpose of this cat. And in exchange, you put a little bit of investment into it and you expect it to stay around for about 10 years. You love it, but you don't have to worry about what's going to happen with the cat if you go out of town for a few days, who's going to watch it. You don't have to change its litter constantly. It's a little bit more fin for itself. So the barn cat is really similar to if you still have a timber revenue pine plantation type of purpose, but you want to be more hands-off. Perhaps you're a long distance landowner um, and you don't want the responsibilities to have to manage it constantly. You don't want to have to put in regular investments. You want to plant the trees. You want to plant good trees. You want to get good quality trees that provide you that service in the end of timber revenue without all the extra commitments and bells and whistles attached to it. So you are having an objective for timber revenue. Your why factor is um, to get that revenue stream from your land, from your trees. It's still an investment, but it's a service investment. Those trees are providing you something in exchange for that. Similar to the barn cat. You love it, but you're not super necessarily attached to it. You expect it to provide something to you in return at the end, as long as you do the minimum um, maintenance needs it needs to thrive. So we are gonna contrast your dog and cats, which both have a strong timber revenue objective, that both have a strong why factor for getting some type of investment economic returns from your trees, from your land. We're gonna compare that to if you got a, we'll say an African gray parrot. I don't know about y'all, but for probably about two years, I was absolutely obsessed with getting an African gay gray parrot. I just thought they were the neatest things. They were so unique. Absolutely loved the fact that they could talk. They were like a small little child. But that was the reason why I didn't get an African gray parrot when I was in college, because it was like a little child. It has to have basically an entire bedroom of its own for space. You need to pay attention to it daily. You need to talk to it daily. You have to clean it often. You have to clean that space. Birds poop a lot, in case you didn't know. Um, and then 
you have to provide it, you know, an appropriate nutrition level. You can't necessarily just go out and buy the cheapest dog food that you might with your dog. You have to give it its, um, its bird seed, but it's not going to be just the run of the mill bird seed you probably buy at Walmart. It's going to be a high purpose diet, whatever that is. I never got into that much research of what type of seed you actually needed. All I knew was you couldn't just go to Walmart and pick up your bird seed that you needed. Um, so your African Gary pair, it's, it's a lot of work. And not only that, it is a very expensive pet to get initially. They cost hundreds to thousands of dollars in itself, just the bird. And then the entire enclosure you have to create for it, another hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars. And then again, you have to pay constant attention to it. And it's going to live your entire life. They can live 75, 80 years old. So if you get this bird, you are more or less committing to it for the rest of your life for absolutely until uh your deathbed probably and the bird will probably still outlive you honestly does that relate to your land this would be really similar to if you perhaps were looking at longleaf pine for conservation wildlife enhancement purposes now longleaf pine can be used for timber revenue i will say that little disclaimer but a lot of folks that are very, very interested in the longleaf pine ecosystems will have this vision of that pine savanna, those beautiful landscapes in their mind's eye. That is the goal they want to reach out to. And that's a beautiful goal. I admire it. It costs a lot of money for sometimes having very strong conservation values and conservation purposes. If you are especially just restarting a stand, if you are starting from your seedling stage, it is going to take you at least 40 years probably to get to that type of vision. Can you create a pine savanna earlier than that? Yes, but it, will it be that same look you probably have in your mind's eye or of that bob white quail plantation that you hunted at one time during that one retreat? Probably not. Those trees are going to be at least 30 to 50 years old, nice size. They took a lot of time to get there. There's a lot of maintenance and prescribed burning and understory enhancements that were put and invested into to get that forest type to look that way. Can you do it? Absolutely. And if that is something that you are very passionate about, I highly encourage you to start taking the steps. But I want to make sure you have that long game vision that this is not going to be a short turnaround. You are committing for the long haul. You are also committing to regular active management. You're not going to be able to just do a few things, live very long distance, and then expect in 10 to 15 years for it to show up how you want it. You have to prescribe burn it regularly. You're probably also doing some other management needs and maintenances to try to encourage native biodiversity in the understory and grasses and shrubs and forbs and in all the other needs outside of just burning it regularly. Burning it will be a definitely strong part of your management regime every two years likely, every three years if you're more in the Piedmont areas. But nevertheless, you have very active management commitments that you are signing up for to create this vision. Once you reach that level, it is a little bit easier to maintain. But if you are trying to create it, you're definitely signing up for a lot of work. And that is perfectly fine as long as you go in with eyes wide open. 
So we have our dog, the most popular type of family pet, the most popular objective of intense timber revenue income. We have our barn cat, the more low maintenance, long distance landowner wanting to get revenue from your pines without the intensive management that it might require. Then we have our parrot, the strong conservation minded, more pine savannah look, long term 50 plus year vision commitment. And we're gonna contrary that to the pet rock. The pet rock is for that family that the children keep on bugging them. They want something, they want something, they want something. They want a pet. But you are perfectly aware in your stage of life, you are not ready for any type of commitment. So the pet rock can go one of two ways. You paint it a beautiful color, you hold on to it, you love it, you give it a name, maybe it's a big rock, maybe it's a little rock you can stick in its pocket, who knows, whatever is your, your preference. But the pet rock will either last an eternity or you'll lose it and completely forget about it. In both of those cases though, you're not really doing much with it and it's also not providing you anything in return. It's not providing you any of those warm affectionate feelings. It's not providing you a service besides maybe your paperweight. Um, and usually rather than keeping it forever, unless you stick it in a jewelry box and forget about it, you probably lost it. And so this is for those or more like those, I guess is a better way to say it. More like those that have land management, have their objectives, that they want to do something. They want, we'll just say they want revenue, but you don't ever actually take action on it. And honestly, you probably forget that you are about to inherit land or that you had that little track of land, um, you know, a few counties over. Maybe it's even in your backyard, but you don't ever do anything with it because you don't invest into it. You don't want any of those commitment responsibilities, maintenance. However, it is also these pet rock people that in 20 years expect it to provide a value, an investment, and a return for you. And so if you are the pet rock, if you choose to not do any type of management investment into your land, you can't expect it to provide you any service. Maybe you're just going to sell the land anyways. In a couple years, you got the land, you thought it would be a great idea, um, great opportunity, and you just realize you don't have the time, you don't have the commitment to maintain the land as it needs for the returns that you want. And that's perfectly fine to be very self-aware like that. And so you decide to sell it to another family member, to a friend, um, or to some other organization. What I'm trying to get at is the pet rock people don't tend to keep the family land within the family very long because it is not providing any type of service, any type of returns, because they're not putting any type of investments into it compared to the first three, which are very, very different type of responsibilities and commitments. In the end, they do provide a service and a return that the family values, whether it is the dog's affectionate love of returns whether it is the cat's purpose of rodent control or whether it is the companionship of the parent. In each of those, you accept the responsibilities and the commitments and the lifespan needed to care for those particular animals in return of what you're desiring. And the same thing comes with your land. 
you choose the objective that meets your values of the purpose for your land. And in return, you have to make sure you accept the responsibilities, the management commitments needed to reach those objective goals. You can't say you want timber income revenue as your high priority and not put any type of regular maintenance and management into your trees. You can't say you want timber revenue income and not be willing to do periodic timber harvesting. On the flip side, you can't say you have very strong wildlife conservation values if you're not willing to do any type of prescribed burning or again, periodic management to increase that understory biodiversity in whatever means that may look like. Say you cannot do prescribed burning for various reasons. There are other means you can utilize to again, focus on the understory. Create that aesthetic, create that canopy cover structure for those species that you are focusing on is still going to require regular maintenance, regular management, and a commitment for that long term. Anyways, hopefully this gave you just a few things to think about for our very first podcast. Um, I would love to hear back from y'all. What what type of objectives and what type of family pets and commitments are you looking at for your own personal lands, for your own personal family or your stage of life. Sometimes maybe you're in the stage of life that the dog and the high timber revenue income is the right for you. And then you grow up a little bit, the kids grow older, they leave the house, and then you're more of the barn cat or vice versa. Maybe you start off with the cat and once the kids leave for college, now you're ready for the dog and you're able to invest more regularly into the dog for the family home. Anyways, I would just love to hear from y'all. So be sure to leave a comment, um, leave a comment, send us a message on Instagram, on Facebook, follow us there. Shoot us an email at landonladies at gmail.com. I would love to hear from y'all and um, just wanted to hear what objectives and what family pets do you resonate with most in your current stage of life? Stay tuned for episode two, and we are going to be talking a little bit more on the why factors with your land.